ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Relationships Rule. I'm Janice Porter, your host, and my special guest this week is Lucy Badewi. And Lucy is coming to us um, from her home away from home, it seems, Mexico City, which is kind of fun um, that people today are working from everywhere and anywhere and um, enjoying uh, experiencing other cultures at the same time as Lucy is doing. So welcome to the show, Lucy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, Lucy is the founder and CEO of My Right Hand Woman, a copywriting business she started when she was only 22 during the pandemic, right after graduating from college, and has managed to scale her business to six figures within the first two years. Her mission, give women the personality-packed words they need to stand out and scale so they can be successful because of who they are, not despite it. And I love that. And there's so many things just in that tiny little bio that I, I want to dig into right away. First of all, congratulations on your successful uh, business so quickly. Thank you. I'm sure it was a lot of hard work and um, dedication, but I, I have a sense that you are um, a born entrepreneur. Does it run in your family? Kind of. So I think definitely it it kind of manifests in different ways. My family isn't businessy in a traditional sense of the word, but um, so my mom, she grew her psychology practice from the ground up as a clinical psychologist. Um, my dad has always been interested in ventures. And even though he worked as a professor, he always kind of just had that mind that was innovating. So I think definitely there's a little bit um, of blood running through me where we just want to change things and do things our way. Okay, so, but not entrepreneurial in the same sense that I was thinking, because you've got academia in your background mm -hmm. and yes, and uh, the medical profession. So that's, that's very different than I saw you were a fashion stylist when you were in Milan. Is that correct? Did you learn fashion there or did you go there to learn fashion? I actually went there to learn fashion. I, I really thought that would be it for me. You know, you're, you're in college, you're thinking, okay, well, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? You have no idea. Um, right. And I always loved fashion and styling and helping women feel really confident. Ironically, that last bullet I still do today, just in a different way. Yes. Um, so I really just wanted to be a stylist and that was my dream. So I went to Milan to study fashion marketing and I kind of got into the fashion industry and realized fairly quickly, I was like, okay, I think this is meant to be a passion, not really a career. Um, so that's kind of what got me into the business world. And I'm like, okay, I found my people. Okay. And how did that happen? So, I mean, I started my styling business kind of in the pandemic. So there was a point where I was overlapping businesses. I had my styling business and I also had my copywriting business. It was that time where I had like my foot in a million places, just trying to see what sticks. Sure. Um, and when it comes to the styling business, no one was wearing clothes. So no one was hiring me. Yes. 
Um, so the business was like falling apart in that way, but you know, that that's technical falling apart. Mm. I think what was unraveling more was I was starting to learn more about myself and think like, well, do I, do I enjoy styling people or do I enjoy leaning into my biggest passion, which is writing? I mean, I had been writing since I was a child. I'd been a content writer for six, seven years. Mm. And so when I discovered copywriting and I could use this like conversational voice that I have to like make women a lot of money. I'm like, wait, this is so fun. Um, so then I just slowly started transitioning and my copywriting business was just taking off. And then it became a point of, okay, well, I just don't have enough hours in the day. So that's when I officially let styling go. Well, the little bit that I've read um, that you have written in blogs and, and uh, on your LinkedIn page and on your website, you definitely have your own style for sure that you are very casual. You're very, um, uh, humorous in in a, a little bit of a dry sense of humor, which I love because I have one too. Um, I loved even the name of your company. I didn't uh, stress this when I started the the podcast, but it's called My Right Hand Woman, spelled R the W R I T E. Of course, the the uh, version for writing, and I love that just in, in the sense that okay, how did you come up with the name? Because it's clever. I came up with it in the shower. I really <laughs> wish I had some beautiful answer, but the truth is naming is not my strong suit. So I actually don't even offer that as a service to clients, but I do joke. Like if I'm in the shower and I think of something, I'll yes. text you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I think the, 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 the burning question that comes to my mind right away is, you know, you're, you're very young in, in my eyes, cause I'm getting on in years and you could be my granddaughter. Probably you could be my daughter either way. It doesn't matter. I just love relating to young people and hope that I can in some way and don't come across as completely um, out of it. So the reason I ask this or say this is because um, when you're look when your clients are coming to find you are, are the people being attracted to you? Are the people that you really want to work with generally young or does it matter? Is it just the sense of humor? Is it just the style? Yeah, I think when it comes to who's usually drawn to me, um, because I'm on Instagram and I create a lot of reels, I even have a TikTok presence. Naturally, I think a lot of people on those platforms tend to be women between the ages of 25 to like 45. Like I, I joke, like I'm really in with the millennial mom. Yes. Um, so I think that's just nature of being on those platforms. But I feel so fortunate that I get on the phone with people who have had 50 year, insane, amazing careers. And they look to me for consulting advice and they treat me with as much respect as they would treat someone who's more their equal in terms of experience. So I, I feel so lucky that we now live in a world where, you know, there's so many skills, there's such a diverse range of skills and marketing looks so different that everyone has a seat at the table, even if their ideas are a little bit more fresh and avant-garde as opposed to what traditionally worked. That's a great answer, actually. I like that, Lucy, because I was looking at your podcast, or sorry, your your um, Instagram feed just this morning, and uh, I don't even know how to navigate Instagram very well. And I actually had a course in it early on by a friend of mine who was teaching it, and she did a great job. And you know, she kept telling me that you have to have like filters that everything should sort of look good, and what. And I got so obsessed with the fact that I couldn't do that. And the photos, it was too much for me. I wasn't that person. I know what looks good. I can see what she was talking about, but that was early on. And I didn't realize now there's so much more depth 
on Instagram than I actually thought in the sense that I was watching your, are they called reels on there? Is that what they're yeah. called? Yeah. Okay. See, I told you it's not my, it's not my, um, my comfort zone, but what I saw was how creative you are with those little reels or little videos that you do. And then the, the content, the writing piece was like, it says, you know, see it underneath or something. And then you, you have the, the verbiage that speaks to the little video that you do. How do you come up with these? They're so creative. They're great. <laughs> Thank you. You know, like I, I wouldn't even know what to do because I don't want to, but that's beside the point. You know, how do you guys do that? How do you, you, I, you personally, how do you do it? I think it's a combination of things. I've always been pretty comfortable behind the camera or I guess in front of the camera yeah. if I'm the oh, one doing the things. The yeah. Um, so creating reels, I mean, of course, in the early days, my early reels were offbeat. They were kind of awkward. I was dancing, but a terrible dancer. Not saying I'm a good dancer now, but at least I've learned how to like move my hips on the beat. Um, so, you know, it's practice. You get better and you start to realize different things that work. You look at your analytics, which reels are getting engagement. And then I'm a big fan of investment investing in myself. So I've invested in two courses for reels. One is a beginner course. One is an advanced course. And I think education is huge in the online business world to learn things that you don't know how to do. And there's a few things I don't want to learn how to do. So that's why I have five or six women on my team, depending on the month that help me with my personal brand, because the truth is I want to be much more well-known than I can physically do as one person, especially if I'm going to be writing for my clients and doing a good job. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I love that. Okay. So Use you, you let's go into that a little bit. So writing for your clients. So your business is do, done for you, right? It's not yes. done with you. It's done for you. So give me an example of of a uh, one of your best clients. Like give me an example of 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 you know what you do in the sense of okay, I worked for this type of company or person or whatever, and this is what I did for them, and it was a big success. For you sure, you don't have to name names, or you can. It's up to you. Yeah. So I recently worked with a coach. I'm still working with her on a monthly basis doing her emails, but she came to me and just wanted to completely redo her website, fully lean into her voice and make it so that we have a full website that represents who she is and multiple sales pages selling her offers. So the way I work is a little more non-traditional than a typical copywriter where there'll be a timeline and a process. I work in something called VIP days and she had a heck of a site. She had so many pages. So we actually ended up doing four VIP days in a row. Oh, um, wow. And yeah, we might as well have just gone to Bali together and had a vacation <laughs> and write our whole site. Um, and she just, the energy she exuded, it's, she was a successful coach when she came to me already. She was making seven coach. figures a year. What kind of a coach? Um, she, yeah, she was a business coach. She did money mindset work, but also works on the strategy side. So she kind of brings it all together. Um, and I just really wanted to make it so her success wasn't just her monetary success, but how she felt she was presenting herself to the world. So most of what we were doing was just bridging what she was already fabulous at and communicating it so she could reach even more people and turn her business into a movement. So when you do the VIP day, when you did the VIP day, I know you did four of them, but when you do a VIP day with somebody, you said you do it for them. So are you writing while you're with them or are you going through a process to, to glean the voice that you're going to write with? 
I think it's a little bit of both. So I would never make someone be on Zoom with me when I'm writing. I feel like that'd be horrifying for both of us. Um, so really what it is, is it's an intense onboarding process where I send them some questionnaires. We have a strategy call. I make sure I'm crystal clear. So by the time we get into the day, I'm spending six hours writing, no breaks, just giving them as much copy as possible. And all they have to do is just be near their phone in case a question comes up. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And um, does it happen that, does it, I'm sure that it gets bet easier, the more experienced you get, but does it ever happen where the, the client will say, um, no, 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 I, that, that doesn't sound like me. Like you've just spent a whole day with me. You have to spend that time. I get it. Like we just spent 10, 15 minutes before we started, maybe 10 minutes before we started our conversation here. But, but I insist on having a call before this because I feel I need to not bond with my, <laughs> my podcast guests, but feel more comfortable that, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a sense and I'm pretty quick study anyway, but you know, of people, um, because I love talking to new people and, and it energizes me, but it, 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 you have to do that. Like it can't just be turned on and you, get that person right away. Right. For sure. I mean, it comes from the strategy call where I always have that before the day. That's an hour on zoom where I'm just trying to get the mannerisms of the person. I'm asking them tough questions. We're going through their questionnaire. So that has that help there, but also in the day I send over copy as soon as it's ready. So let's say the homepage is finished after an hour, then they can go in and they can say, I'd like to change this, this, and this. And I'm also making edits during the day too. So we're really, we're in it together, even though we're not on zoom, there's a back and forth, a ton of copy is flying around on the internet. So by the end of the day, everything is finalized. Oh, that's great. I'm sure that that feels good for the client too, because it doesn't drag on and drag on, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yes. Um, so when someone is looking to hire uh, a copywriter, um, what should they look for? So I think a common misconception is that you have to find a copywriter who writes in your exact voice. And I am a big believer in voice. I think your brand voice is one of your biggest assets in marketing, especially when it comes to long-term growth and having people in your market know you and love you and buy from you. But your voice is not the same as your brand voice. And I think that's a common thing that you know, it's hard for us because we're like, but I'm a personal brand. So of course I am my voice. Um, But truthfully, you are a business along with being a human being who's running this brand. So you have to look at multiple factors, like how you're communicating your offer, who you're communicating it to, how are you being clear and concise? And sometimes when we're speaking to a friend, we might be speaking in a way that's casual and funny. And those are things we want in our brand, but we might be rambling a little bit or speaking in circles. Whereas on your webpage, you just don't have that luxury. So sometimes it's okay to deviate from your brand voice if you're accomplishing your end goal, which is getting people into your world, getting them to know you and getting them to make a purchase. Okay. So three top things that I'm looking for when I interview someone to be my copywriter, um, what would they be? So the first one is I would ask them their experience in different industries. Um, I think especially if you have a technical industry or I see this a lot with health coaches, you kind of have a specific way of going about um, your, your teaching, your education, your knowledge. So just making sure that they have experience in your industry or at a minimum are just smart people that are open to researching and really taking it in. 
Um, the second thing would be their tone of voice. If you really want casual copy that's fun to read and really engaging, and that person is a fabulous writer, has perfect grammar, but it's just a little dry, it's going to be really hard for you to get them to dial it up to the energy that you want in your site. And then the third one is, I would just make sure you like the person. I mean, this is someone that's on your team. It should be someone that you're excited to talk to, you're excited to team up with, because that energy really does come through, especially if they're pretending to be you. Yeah, that's great. Great information. So um, on your LinkedIn um, profile, and I, I'm not I'm not judging one way or the other, but I don't know if it's up to date, but what it says here is partnering with bold personality packed brands so they can stand out and scale like crazy. So would that still hold true for you? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, copy can be so beautifully written, but if it doesn't bring results, then it's not copy. You just wrote a fiction book or a nonfiction book, hopefully. Right. Okay. So I do a lot of work with, um, um, training uh, business clients um, how to optimize their LinkedIn profiles and then how to use LinkedIn to maximize what their business because they have determined that their um, target audiences are on LinkedIn and also they're more comfortable there than they are like me on tick on uh, TikTok or Instagram. I'm not okay. So you have to be honest on who you are and you know where you feel comfortable. But um, so. When I'm working with um, my clients on their copy for their about section in uh, their LinkedIn profile, I work with them. I don't do it for them. I do it with them and I kind of guide them through it. And I try to bring out who they are with a format that I use in my LinkedIn training. However, I'm starting to see that I need to branch out in my thinking because my format doesn't always work with different people. I don't think, I think I've, I've become a bit more open to different ways of doing it. Um, but I wonder how much I'm imposing my style on those people sometimes. Does that I mean hear you. Absolutely. I mean, we all as people have a voice and we have a way that we like to write. And I think what separates a copywriter from any other type of writer is we have to put that aside. And sometimes if I'm switching clients and I'm switching voice, I have to actually get up out of the table, go get a glass of water and come back, sit down, new headspace, new mindset, because really we're bringing a totally different style of writing to every single thing that we're putting out. And of course I write at the end of the night, my own stuff, you know, I, I connect yeah. to my own voice, my own core, but when it comes to clients, it, it's all them. And I really do my best to kind of take my biases out of the equation so I can write something that truly sounds like it, it came from there brand. Yeah. So, um, there was something I saw on your website. Uh, actually it might've been, I did your little quiz just to that's on your website. You know, maybe you can tell my audience about that and then I'll tell you my experience with it. So I think it's a quiz about what's your brand, what's your brand voice, right? Yeah. So want to speak to that a little bit because I'm sure my audience would, would be interested in checking it out. 
Sure. So I think the hardest part is after, especially what I just said, where your brand voice is not your voice is the natural question is, okay, so what the heck even is my brand voice? Um, so I created a quiz. If you go to findmybrandvoice.com, and I'm sure it'll also be in the show notes, yes. um, you can actually get a feel for what your brand voice is after a- answering seven questions. And these questions are a combination of your business and also who you naturally are and how you naturally speak. So putting these two things together, you can actually figure out what your brand voice adjectives are, but more importantly, you're also going to receive advice on how to write in your brand voice, because if you don't use your brand voice, then what's the point? Okay. So do you know anything about me? I know a little bit from our um, (laughs) intro call and then chatting for 10 minutes before we started recording. Do you get a sense of the person's brand voice by talking to them? Absolutely. I think there's so many things you don't even realize you do when you're speaking that um, you start to get a feel for mannerisms more than catchphrases. I think when it comes to catchphrases and the words that this person actually uses, that takes a little bit longer than figuring out if this person is a little bit more timid or, oh, they're a little bit formal, or you can kind of tell you know, maybe the the region they're from, if they're from the US, you can start to get a feel for some of these like little things that they do. Like I have some clients that will just very casually say y'all. And then if I say y'all, people are like, what are you doing, DCite? Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of knowing a little bit about that person. But so much of that actually comes from the questionnaire and it's a very curated process. That's so funny because um, I'm Canadian and my sister lives in California and I And my daughter used to live, one of my daughters used to live in California too. And whenever I go down to the States or whenever I'm talking to somebody from a Southern state on Zoom, I start to talk like them. And that y'all thing just kind of got to me because I love it. It's just, I love to, you know, it, it's, it endears people, I think, to each other when, when there's that commonality. I don't know. It's just kind of fun, but that's what you made me think of. Um, Okay. Um, I saw this cute thing on your website and I want to know about your useless skill that you can write in font size 0.2 with the right pen. I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I love handwriting. So of course I'm I'm not going to hand my clients handwritten copy because that would be absolutely ridiculous, but I love the store Muji and I go there and I buy their like tiny gel pens. And when I write in my journal, sometimes people, if they like look over my shoulder, will be like, are you a serial killer? Because it's creepy. It's so small. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just like the way I learned how to write in college. I remember there was one girl, she'd always be like taking selfies and texting like who knows who. Um, and she would like miss the lecture and she would look over my shoulder to copy my notes. And I think I was just like so mad and so passive aggressive that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start writing so small. So she has to basically kiss me to write these notes and copy off of me. So I think that's where that came from. And then I just, it just turned into my writing style and I'm like, Oh no, what did I just do? So what was the name of that store just for fun? Cause I, uh... How did you spell it? Muji? It's Muji, M-U-J-I. And they sell like very cheap, minimalist stationery that's actually really high quality and lightweight. So if you are a stationary person like me and you're listening to this podcast, definitely go do an order. I'm sure even with a small stationary budget, you could get yourself like some beautiful pens and paper and erasers. And they always come out with fun new things. Look, I'm a fountain pen person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've gone back to using my fountain pen and I, I love it, love it, love it. This is a Lamy. Do you know that? Oh, is that's it? a fancy one. Yeah, that's a fancy They're brand. not that expensive. It's a <laughs> brand, right? But I Maybe love it's just the branding. I, I just, yeah, I, it, 
the pen wasn't that expensive, but you know, you have to get those refills all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so that's why I had to ask you about that. Cause I love pens and I love, I, I love all that too. Um, and okay. So what else can I ask you about the writing piece? Because I am, um, I have this, this kind of, well, I'll, okay. I, I always say to people, I'm a better editor than I am a writer. So I have one daughter who's, who writes really, really well. And all through university, she would write these amazing papers and she'd say, mom, could you edit this for me? And I'd love to edit it. Cause I got to see what she was doing, you know, and, and, and how she thought she was a theater and English major. And she had some interesting stuff that she wrote about, but um, it came well, it came easily to her. My other daughter struggled a little bit with it and I had to help write the stuff. And that was harder, <laughs> you know, for me. So um, especially if you didn't know the topic all that well and had to deal with that as well. Um, but um, uh, I think I, do you notice when, um, when you're working with clients or when you are interviewing prospects, let's say, that there's a sense of um, real, um, uh, what's the word? <laughs> I just lost my word. Uh, um, lack of confidence around writing. And so they look to you to give them the guidance. And yet you have to get some leadership from them to be able to, to, to do what would probably work better, if that makes sense. Does it? Yes, that absolutely makes sense. And I think when it comes to hiring a copywriter, you know, I have clients that are all over the map. Like some clients are like, Hey, I can write, but I can't like sell, right. You know, that's like such a different skill. And then I have other clients that are like, I can't write. I don't want to write. I would like to outsource just like basically move into my house. So I think we have like this and obviously it's a spectrum. There's people who are in that happy medium zone, but I always tell my clients like, yes, I need to get information from you, but I don't need to get it in a way that's beautiful written. So just give me the bullets in on the questionnaire. I mean, I'm someone who like speaks multiple languages and I'm totally comfortable in a place where someone's rambling and they're like, is this making sense? It's always making sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I would just say like, really take a deep breath and we're on a strategy call. Like I'm never there to judge you or see like how your writing is. I don't care if you show me a website that's like riddled with errors and not making any money. Like that is why I'm in your life. And I'm like really here to just help. So just show up fully and do your best. And I'm going to take it from wherever it is to where it needs to be. I love that. Cause I use that, that phrase all the time when I'm talking about working with you, with your LinkedIn profile or, or what you need on LinkedIn, I'll take you from where you are to where you need to be. I say that all the time. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Yeah. That, um, so where do you see your business going? So when it comes to writing, I know the big, the big talking is like with scaling and like making it so that you're not in the day to day as much, but I started my business because I love to write. So I don't really see that going anywhere. I see myself continuing to do VIP days with clients, continuing to write their copy, give them a voice. I just see myself continuing to expand as well. So things like getting my personal brand out there, maybe doing more speaking um, and also selling templates for the DIYer who just wants to get a flavor of my, my framework 
frameworks and my processes. Um, and then also this, um, I'm going to be, so this is fun because this is like very new. So I don't know when this podcast is going to be released, but if you're listening, you get a secret. I'm going to be starting a content agency um, that is going to be writing blog posts and email marketing for, for companies who want to nurture their audience. So this way I'll have the agency for that kind of writing and I'll be able to fully go in all in on web copy and sales copy along with sales emails. So why is that called an agency as different from what you're doing now? So I'm keeping mine as a pure personal brand. When someone hires me for a VIP day, it's just going to be me. You're going to be able to just purchase my time and have me in your corner. Whereas in the agency, I'd love to build a team of just talented, fun, witty writers. Got it. Okay. And I don't know. I just keep thinking I I'm in awe of young people today who um, are able to, um, business is different for, for younger people today. It just seems like the world is your oyster. Every platform is, you know, you find your, your, your place. And, um, and I don't know, do you ever get into, um, corporate at all? Not that I would want to anymore myself, but you know, does that interest you or, so some corporations find me online and, you know, they invite me and in. I would probably never be an employee, but they do invite me in as a consultant for a project, or they'll invite me in for a longer term copy project or even a VAP day. Um, so corporations are changing too. Yes. They want fresh voices. They don't want to have the same robotic bland way of speaking. So it always like kind of blows my mind when like a tech company reaches out to me and I'm like, really me? Like of all the people you're drawn to me. Um, but I've had some really fun projects with corporations and it's definitely a challenge, but it's exciting. I mean, I feel like my, my copy is able to be seen by more people and that's always a really fun feeling. Yeah. So that, so how do you feel about, um, the fact that like, you're kind of the, the, um, the silent partner, I mean, you're the ghostwriter in a sense, right. When you do somebody's website copy or whatever, or do you get any, you know, um, recognition, um, publicly or just from word of mouth of the people that you work with? It depends on the client. I mean, if someone wants to put me on NDA and then I never show my face as the writer of that site, like that's what I signed up for. And I, I love that. Like, I'm really happy to just give you my work to do as you please. Um, but I have some clients that are like, feel free to put this in your portfolio or they'll give me a testimonial or they'll be like, let's like launch this site collaboratively. So it's really, it's whatever the client wants. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I think you have a great attitude about it too. So you mentioned that, or I saw that you um, your guilty pleasure is slightly toxic self-help books. So what are you reading now? What do you like? What do you, give me an example. I love it. Um, so I'm not reading a toxic self-help book right now. I'm actually reading a lovely book, um, by Jenna Kutcher. I'm reading, how are you really? Um, so that, that's just been like a great way to start the morning because she has like journal prompts in there and it really like forces you to think about things deeply. But, um, I've, I've also been known, I'm not going to out any authors as toxic, but I've also been known to read some self-help books that are a little bit more like, if you're not grinding, you're failing. Uh, and yeah. I think like, I definitely have a part of me where of course I believe in rest. I believe in self-care and I believe in just taking time for yourself and building a business sustainably. But there's, you know, there's also a part of me that's like, if you want to make your dream happen, you have to work. And I like those tough love talks. I like both of those together. And I think that's where the toxic self-help book love comes from. <laughs> Uh, I, you're, I think you should go on this, on the speaking circuit. Definitely. Cause I think you do a good job. Um, when, I appreciate it. Yeah, totally. Um, so I like to ask my guests, my favorite question, 
usually. And uh, I think that I'm going to ask you this question. It's a two-part question, and it it comes around my favorite word, which is curiosity. And I would like to know what your take is on curiosity. Do you think it is innate or learned? Number one, that's part one. And part two, what are you most curious about today? I think when it comes to curiosity, it is innate for the most part. I think you see it in some kids, like some kids just want to know like how things work. They're like trying to dissect a Lego and then other kids are just more content and they're just like, okay, like I'm just living my life. So I think you can see it from a young age, but at the same time, I do think like through education and through learning and through growing, you start to uncover more things and be like, okay, well now I want to know why that happens. So I think, I think it's a two part, it's a two part answer to your two part question. Um, And then when it comes to things I'm most curious about is um, I, I've always been a little bit more of like a spontaneous person. I'm I'm not exactly a person who will like mull on something and think about it deeply. Um, And at first I thought it like made me less smart, but then I just realized, you know, we all process things differently. Um, so I would say the thing I'm most curious about is I, I love to see like, where is the world moving like trends and like, not in like a psychic predict the future way, but just like seeing like, Hmm, I am curious, like, what are, what's this like one process going to look like in two years, especially because with tech, things are moving so quickly that like, as a business owner, you always want to be like one step ahead of where things are going to go. But that also just keeps you on this constant hamster wheel of like being like, where are things going to go? So that would have to be my answer. That's a great answer. There's no wrong answer, right? (laughs) Interesting. I liked your, your first part answer particularly, because I thought that was very astute. And I have a little um, three-year-old granddaughter right now who I watch her curiosity is unbelievable. She she's, she's, she never sits still. She doesn't nap. She's always busy. And she is always, you know, curious about things. It's, and it's, mm-hmm. it's so fun to watch. So, yeah. Um, so this has been delightful. Um, one last question for you. And I think it is basically my audience, business owners, coaches, consultants, uh, sales professionals, um, entrepreneurs. What's the one business tip that you would like to leave with them with regards to, you know, your industry, what you do and, and what to um, have them know specifically moving forward? I would have to say, don't be afraid to stand out, especially in this online world where, you know, really anyone can start a business from a laptop. It's, it's so much easier these days. You kind of have to go big or go home with your marketing. So use the humor, go for it in your ad campaigns, lean into your kind of more controversial opinions, because as long as you are being true to yourself and you are moving in a way that feels aligned with the business owner you want to be, it's so important that you you just go all in because this kind of tiptoeing into your marketing, tiptoeing into your messaging just isn't going to cut it anymore. Wow. Now I've got 14 other questions I want to ask you. <laughs> have you on again? There you yeah, go. I'll do part two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this has been a delight, um, Lucy, really. I, I, it's so nice to hear someone from um, another generation um, be so on the cutting edge and true to yourself because you're young and there's still lots of things to learn. And, and yet you, you know, who you are and you 
bring that to the table in a very, very um, impressive way. So thank you. Thank you for being my thank guest. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I will put all your links and uh, your quiz in the show notes. And for my audience, thank you again for listening. If you like what you heard, please leave a review and do go visit Lucy's website, My Right Hand Woman. And again, uh, thank you for being here. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.